Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Favorite movie series is back, and I'm joined for Parasite by one half of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour, one half of the Divine Rhyme, Dylan Hughes. Happy to be here, man. This was a long time coming. I made you wait a little bit. You know, I've got a full schedule of kind of laying around. It's tough to fit stuff in, you know, a lot of, lot of laying, a lot of typing, um, type of things, but happy to finally get this out. You've been cranking out the newsletters, my friend. That been cranking that is, them out. Yeah, they've uh, listen. Some sometimes I'm like, oh shit, I actually have to work. You know, <laughs> like, it's like, wait a second, I actually want to be a professional writer. I probably should write some stuff. Yeah. And uh, for a couple months there, I was like, oh man, I did not publish as much as I should have. So I've. <laughs> I've definitely been turning it up a little bit. Well, I found out what your favorite movie was through the Power Hour. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to the Power Hour that Alex posed the question, and you you laid it on the line, Parasite. Yeah, it, it was good timing for Alex because uh, you know I had a I had a final three that I was running through, and you know originally you thought the Revenant would be it, and and I. Listen, I love The Revenant. I did think that. But for discussion purposes, I don't know. Like, the reasons I love it, I don't know if I could actually explain in a full-length podcast, you know? Um, It's just a very unique movie, which is why I love it. Like, unique movies are what – that's what hooks me. And that's why I picked Parasite, too, because it's like – find one movie like this, just find one and show it to me. I'd love to see it. To take a like an NBA kind of thing, this movie's a one of one. I've never seen a movie like this before or since, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We'll get into that, but uh, I'm gonna steal a power hour thing. I'm gonna throw you a curveball. I'm actually gonna throw you two curveballs here. More underrated player as time has passed, Dylan. Dirk, Kevin Garnett, or Steve Nash. You know, that is really interesting, okay? I would say I don't think it's KG because he had his run at the end there with the Celtics, you know? Like, he had he had his time in the sun, right? He did. Dirk was – he had one season where I think everyone recognized it. And there was definitely some times that a little bit after. Like, the Lakers tried to steal him. And, and as, a, as a Laker hater – I, I've got to give him props for sticking out with uh, with old Marky Mark there in Dallas. I gotta gotta give him props for that. And listen, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of money behind it. Um, I would love to know Dirk's current salary as a member of the Mavericks organization. Oh, it, it could be 100 mil. It really could. I think it is. I mean, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Cubes is missing that money. I, th- no. I think uh, I think 100 mil may be his monthly salary as well. <laughs> so, so he's it's just a month month's worth of pay he's sending out Dirk's way. But listen, if you look at the way the league is constructed now, 
it was like that that Suns era with Nash set it up, and it took like another eight years for it to become popular. And who of all was uh, a part of that? Steve Kerr, who was around the Suns, you know. So it's like right. Nash Nash is interesting, and we talk a lot about point guards now, and I am really bad at making these all-time lists because I just – I like to know who I'm talking about, right? And a lot of these old guys I just didn't watch as much, so it's tough for me to make comparisons. But we talk a lot about the point guards, who's the greatest of all time. I think everyone pretty much has magic at one, right? Right. After that, it's up in the air. It's like, is it Chris Paul? Is it Pistol Pete? You know, Nash Jason gets Kidd. some run. Jason Kidd. Curry is eventually going to get in there if he's not already. Isaiah Thomas. So, yeah. So it's like it's uh, it's interesting, and I I feel like Nash does get a bit overlooked. And and hey, this has nothing to do with his playing career, but he's also turned out to be a pretty decent coach as well. He has. He actually has. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think because I'm a degenerate, I've been watching these old full length games on YouTube. <laughs> like you can just find like old playoff games on YouTube and rewatch them or watch them for the first time in my case. And I was watching a couple nights ago after work, Mav Suns second round 2005. And it was the year after the Mavs let Nash go. So it was funny because any, anytime Nash did something in the game, the camera would cut to Cuban. He would just look sad. <laughs> but I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to go Steve Nash because I think he would have thrived today. I think he could have played longer. Yeah, Because when he got to the Lakers, he was done. He was basically done. His back was shot. So I'm going to go Steve Nash too. He would have shot a ton more threes, ton more. And give him – imagine him with, like, Clint Capella. <laughs> pick and roll action <laughs> so I'm gonna I think we're both gonna go Nash and then my second curveball to you more legendary shot Ray Allen 2013 or Kyrie 2016 see this is very biased for me because I fucking hated those heat teams me too and and talk about should have been us in there and Dylan should have been us yes exactly that that's where the underlying issues come from <laughs> is I'm watching a team that should not even be there. Um, but, like, talk about luck and, like, circumstances, okay? How the fuck does he get that shot, you know? It, it was just ridiculous. And, and <laughs> you know, as a Pacers fan, I'm obviously upset. But imagine being a Celtics fan in that situation. Oh. After he flees to join the enemy. That's... That, that's tough. So I, I have to go with Kyrie for sure. I'll go with Kyrie too, just because that literally won the title pretty much. Like that was game seven that gave him a three point lead. That was it. Ray Allen, I would say a second, just because if he doesn't make that shot, the Heat lose. I know that was game six, but like they lose. Yeah. Um,. All right, Dylan, let's get into Parasite. Why is this your favorite movie? And let me just say, I wasn't surprised when you picked this because there's a lot of deeper meaning to it, and you are a really deep thinker. I learned that from uh, helping you edit your book. 
and listening to Divine Rhyme. So I wasn't surprised in that respect. But why? Why Parasite? I mean, again, the uniqueness of it. We're living in an age of, and, and it could always be the age, as a, as a movie buff, you would probably know more than me, but people make money, they make movies for money nowadays, right? Like, look, look at the Avengers, for example. I, and I'm not shitting on the Avengers at all. I enjoy the movies, but come oh, this on. This is a very pro-Marvel show right here. Oh, I know. I have nothing, <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about them, right? And it, listen, it's a great storyline and all that. It's it's fine. I, I'll see any movie in the theaters, right, when they come out. Right. But we know we know it's behind it, right? Like I'm not sure how interested they are in really advancing a story. They know it's going to sell. Right. And and listen, Parasite did great box office too. I just looked, or you had it on our sheet, like 240, 240 mil profit. Killed. That's pretty solid, right? Um, but. This is a this is a movie that you got to sink your teeth into a bit. It's not just like a layback with popcorn and chill. And listen, not at all. Thanks to the thanks to the subtitles, like the subtitles make you actually watch the movie. Right? You can't scroll on your phone throughout and listen in the background. You can't walk up and go get something in the kitchen. Like you got to lock in. And that's what I appreciate about this movie is that, like, you need undivided attention towards this movie or you don't know what the fuck's going on. And, and something I want to talk about maybe a little bit later on is just the, the little foreshadowing bits that are in there, Uh, a ton of really small foreshadowing bits. And that's what I love about movies is just tiny little clues throughout. Right. And, and once you watch it more, you recognize more what, Oh, that little uh, hot sauce packet that they have on the pizza. You know, that's going to be used to progress the story. Right. Right. It's like those little small moments. And that just that's just great directing right there. Uh, you're t- I get where you're coming from with the, the MCU take. I think it is a great story. And I don't think there's been a story like it. Definitely for that genre. And I would argue in history of, of cinema, just that that expansive and that long. But. I get what you're coming from. I mean, money, money's the factor. Money's the factor. Where I mean, why are you making Guardians of the Galaxy three for money? <laughs> right. Exactly. Why? Why are you making uh, Captain Marvel two for money? You know, it's nobody cares about the story. It's just money. But this, uh, like I said, this movie's a one of one, and it's no, it's no coincidence because Bong Joon Ho. I think it's a one-of-one one director. He definitely takes a lot of inspiration from, like in this movie in particular, there's a lot of like n- nods to Hitchcock. A lot. And Bong has talked about that in interviews, but I mean, every, every director owes something to Hitchcock, but especially in this movie, you see a lot of it. Uh, and you're totally right about the phone thing. Like you can't, if you put your phone down or pick it up for, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds, you're lost. You're lost, and you have to pay attention. So it's kind of like being in the theater watching this movie because you don't, you can't have your phone in the theater. You can if you're a schmuck, but you can't. You have to – I saw this in the theater, and it's like I, I'd be totally lost if I was watching this at home and just picking up my phone every five minutes, but – 
discuss your first your uh, first viewing of this because this was really we'll get it we'll get to this movie year in a sec, but just a loaded year, and this one. I don't know if it's head and shoulders above the rest, but it's definitely the alpha dog. So discuss your first viewing of Parasite. So, you know, you want to talk about being a degenerate, okay? <laughs> I, I pulled out I pulled out some degenerate tricks to get this one, okay? Uh-oh. So, you know, the, the streaming platforms are very uh, set up now. <laughs> it, it's, it's really nice. Like, you can pretty much find anything anywhere, right? I know where this is going. I know where it's going. When Parasite was first out, okay, it was not it was not a widely available for viewing. So I may have pulled up one of the uh, whatever those you know streaming websites are called, <laughs> not not the ones you pay for. Um, no paying involved in those websites. <laughs> there there may be a little bit of a uh, you know something the FBI wouldn't be proud of. We'll say that involved in those activities. <laughs> But yeah, man, I uh, I risk I risked maybe a computer virus to see this for the first time. Whatever. And uh, hey, hey, it's fine. I, I haven't had a computer virus to date, so <laughs> I, it was worth it. But I was like, you know, 2019. I don't know what called me to this because I've really never been a huge awards guy anyway. Um, mostly because they get it wrong every year in some way. So I've never really cared much. You're but for me. some reason. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> but for some reason in 2019, I just felt compelled to watch as many Best Picture nominees as I can. And I still have like three or four that I haven't watched. Um, but of every year, this I was just dedicated to watching as many as I could. And I'm like, okay, Parasite won every award, right? So this this is the one I need to watch. And I just laid in a dark room with my laptop and... Uh, Looked over my shoulder to see if the FBI was watching behind me. <laughs> Turns out I was safe, but I uh, I was just I was just enthralled the whole time. And it, it's like I don't do this that often with movies, but the ones that really get me, I just have to talk to like everyone in my life about them and try to get them to watch them. Right, and that's what I did. Like yes. the next day, I'm texting people, I'm talking to my parents, I'm like, guys, this is it okay you're never gonna see a movie like this and like unfortunately in america especially the whole subtitles thing is just not cool right it's a bad rap yeah it's like oh another language like uh, i don't know about that one but and my mom is like that but i watched this with her the second time and the third time uh and it's like it, it it's just a movie where you're you're willing to to do it even if you don't like the subtitles because it's just that good. And I would even argue like this movie is one of those movies where you can't rip your eyes away from the screen. You're just totally, totally invested in what's going on and what's going on with the plot. I just the the captions thing it gets a bad rap and it's dumb. It's dumb. It gets a bad rap because. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna go into it, but I just think it's dumb. If you can't read the captions, go read a book or something. I don't care. <laughs> but that this with this movie, it don't it almost didn't feel like a foreign film because number one, it's just so good. It's just so good, and the foreshadowing like doesn't matter what language you speak, you can keep up with that, and you can kind of relate to this because these people are just trying to get ahead in the world 
Now, if they're going about it in probably the wrong ways, but <laughs> they're just like like us, Dylan. We're young people right now. We're trying to get ahead, trying to get our footing. That's what they're trying to do. Now, we're not trying to uh, <laughs> impose our will on other families like this one here, but or conning other families, but it's just... I've seen this movie twice. Second time was this week when I watched it for the for this pod, and it was just as good as the first time. And I don't know why I haven't watched it more than twice, but man, I might watch it again this week because it's just like it's a one of one movie. And how many times have you seen it? Just the three? Just the three times? Yep, three times. Yeah, so it's I always ask that because it's interesting with the favorite movie. Like, yeah, it's your favorite, but some people have seen their favorite like 20 times. Some have seen it like three times here, but. Well, you know, I I think it's like an access thing. Like the streaming has obviously widened the access, but, and and I I know cable is going out of style, but I do have cable still. And like, I'll watch, I mean, the thing about cable is the same movies play, right? So I've seen Step Brothers 30 times, right? Yeah. (laughs) Really, any Will Ferrell movie. It has been in in uh, rotation quite a bit. Yeah, and and there's a ton of like really a lot of the sitcom or um, rom coms like they're always on. You see them a million times. Seinfeld, Friends. Yeah, on all the exactly. Time. So that's that's what a lot of and like they're enjoyable movies, right? So you you know you don't feel like you're wasting your time. But a movie like Parasite isn't just on cable TV often. So it's something you kind of got to actively think about and go watch it. But yeah, once, once you watch it again, it's like, damn, I need to watch that more often. Yeah. That's the thing with cable, like parasite. They're not going to show parasite during the day. It's too heavy no. of a movie. <laughs> like that's why you get the Will Ferrell movies, right? Cause anybody can watch those They're You don't really have to follow the story. It's just like laugh, have a good time. I would say the one exception, the one exception is the Godfather. That's on all the time. Yeah, call that a light watch, but <laughs> <laughs> it's on all the time. But I think Parasite's on Hulu right now, which I just yep. recently got rid of. But luckily, I have the Blu-ray for this, and there's some special features that are really cool. A uh, little commentary with Bong, also with captions, but it doesn't matter. It's just. I don't know if you've ever seen interviews with, with Bong Dylan, like or his acceptance speech at the Oscars. Yeah, I saw the cool acceptance dude. speech. Yeah, he seems like a really cool dude. And some of these, like when some of these people win, it just seems fake. It's just like I'd like to thank uh, my mom, my dad, everybody on the crew. Like, just shut up, just shut up. Well, he's a bit of an outsider, you know. Like he's not a traditional Hollywood type of guy. Exactly. Yeah. He's the most prominent foreign filmmaker right now. I don't even think that's a that's not even a debate. One of the most prominent filmmakers, period. And I think, you know, you were talking about the money thing. And some of these people, he's like head of the pack who make movies for the art form and for the viewer. Like him, uh, Greta Gerwig directed Lady Bird and Little Women. Uh, Damien Chazelle directed La La Land and... Um, what's the other one? Whiplash. Whiplash is a hell of a movie. Ryan Coogler was until he got in the MCU machine, but he was that, and I, he, to some degree, he still is. He just produced 
Judas and the Black Messiah. But let's talk about Bong. Who? All right. This is, I asked you, who's the NBA player? Or in your case, musical artist. Who you compare to Bong? Just a guy or a woman who had a lot of good stuff and then just bro- burst onto the scene. Like, here's my NBA comp, Dylan. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had a lot of good seasons, and then this season he's like, I'm going for MVP. And he's having his best season to date. So that's my comp for Bong Juno. Well, listen, right alongside Joel Embiid, you know who's there? Nikola Jokic. Yes. This is a uh, – and I'll say that I don't know a ton about uh, – about uh, June Ho's background. I haven't seen the other stuff, right? I've heard good things. Haven't seen the other stuff. But Jokic is, is similar, man, where, you know, it, it's kind of a build up into the uh, into the big prize, which this year, probably MVP this year, you know. Lock th- it th- in. May, this may be his parasite year for Lock Nikola it Jokic. Lock it in, dude. <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> I like it, the parasite year. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, uh, and Jokic too is like a, he's a different type of, of guy, right? He's, you want to talk about uniqueness? I, I mean, a, a big doughy, you know, European center that's like the best passer in the league. It's not, it's not something that's consistently in the NBA, right? It's, it's something that, you know, you may get every 20 years or so, right? but it's not something that's always around. And the Joel Embiid and type, I'm not going to act like it's a little bit rare. It, it is a little bit rare for today's game to have a dominant post guy like that that's also skilled in other areas. But Jokic is is someone that's, you know, in 30 years, we're going to look back and be like, I don't know if I've seen a guy like that. Right. And I kind of feel the same about uh, June Ho. Yeah, he's – I can't wait to see what he does in the future because – I don't if he tops Parasite, I'd be shocked because he's like I know you said you haven't seen his movies, but they're pretty accessible. Like Okja and Snowpiercer are both on Netflix right now. Now Snowpiercer, I'm not not really big on Snowpiercer. I don't it's a good movie, but I'm probably never gonna fire it up again. Like I just I didn't really like it that much. But Okja's good. Okja's kinda like this, talking about the class system and stuff. But uh, you were talking about the Oscars and how they get it wrong a lot. And you're speaking my language because they almost got it wrong this time. Uh, going up, let me take you back in time, Dylan, to last, last year, 2020, February. Oscars are coming up. It's a loaded year. A lot of possible winners for Best Picture, which is the coveted, the coveted Oscar of the night. And it seems like 1917 is going to take it. It has all the hype. Everybody's talking about the one take approach it had. Everybody's just enthralled with this movie. It, but meanwhile, the real people are like, actually Parasite should win because there's never going to be a movie like this again. <laughs> and if it is, it's a ripoff. <laughs> I'm going to compare this to the Russell Westbrook, James Harden MVP race because it felt like, okay, this guy's going to win, but this other guy probably should win. That's what I would compare it to. To put it in NBA language. I could see that. 
Um, I wouldn't. So is 1917, is that James Harden then? Uh, 1917 felt it felt like 1917 was gonna win, so I would say 1917 was Russell Westbrook. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And Parasite was James Harden in that. Okay, this one should win, but the other one's gonna win. Okay. I the tide just turned. Like the day before, it's like, and even through the show, it's like, okay, hang on, they might actually do the right thing here. What do you think of that comp? It's interesting. And again, I, I the movie like stuff, I I wasn't around to like hear that hear the noise. We could talk about 1917 a little bit more, but I, listen, I love the one take ordeal too. I mean, you like it was cool. I know it's not it's probably not as unique as Parasite, but listen, there's a lot of room for or there's not much margin for error with that approach, right? Like I was it's kind of like, like what what happens if one guy messes up in that situation? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, but listen, it, it's great. It, I I like that a lot. But I I feel like war movies have a lower ceiling. Am I am I alone in that take? You're not. I mean, it's it's really rare. In nineteen seventeen, is one of these cases where a war movie does something different. Now, I went to an extreme extent to do something different, and it paid off a lot. And Dunkirk did something different, too. And that's why I think those are the two best war movies of the past, like, 10 years. But And Hurt Locker, too. Hurt Locker's up there as well. But it's... I don't know. This just, It just felt like 1917 was going to win, and Parasite should have won. But it, it ended up being... A feel-good story because they actually got it right. And it was shocking, Dylan. It was absolutely shocking. I'll tell you what it was. It was like... And how do I explain this? It was like... I don't, it was like the Bucks just kicking the Chiefs' ass. <laughs> Where 1917 only won like one award. And Parasite won like five. <laughs> and that's probably the way it should have gone. And nobody was talking about it. But it was just, it was awesome. So 2019 movies for context, Dylan. I think this is the best movie year of the 2010s. And I don't think it's close. It was just a loaded, loaded year. You had all kinds of stuff. So we had 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Two Popes, Bombshell, which is okay. Bombshell's okay. Uh, Captain Marvel, John Wick, Chapter 3, Midsummer. Have you ever seen Midsummer, Dylan? I have not, but the name alone attracts me. It's I don't know why. I like the name of it. <laughs> I'll tell you. I watched this movie the other day. Again, for the second time. I haven't seen it since it came out. <laughs> Fucked up. Fucked up. <laughs> but it's it's good. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, Richard Jewell, Knives Out, which is a great movie. Knives Out's awesome. Toy Story 4. I'm a huge Pixar guy, Dylan. And Toy Story 4, not the best Toy Story movie, but still very good. Uh, Ad Astra, 
Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which very well might be the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, the Lighthouse. And then some cash grabs, Dylan. The Lion King and Aladdin. Rocket Man and then El Camino. So, anyone stick out to you there? Well, again, like 2019 was, was a, a good movie year for me. A lot of times I don't catch on to movies until I'm uh, a lot longer. And this was a year I watched a good amount. Because, again, I said I wanted to watch the, the Best Picture nominees. And, you know, a lot of big ones I still missed. The first three I watched, 1974 V. Ferrari, Endgame. Watch those. You know, then you get to, uh, first of all, was this was this the first year where Netflix was really like big in the in the scene for for original movies? I, it was it was the first year where it felt like they had a chance to win a lot of awards. I think the previous year uh, Roma was nominated, mm. and Roma probably should have won Best Picture that year. Roma or Black Klansman probably should have won, but yeah, this was. I think this was because the Irishman was a masterpiece. Marriage Story was a masterpiece. The Two Popes wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but it was really good and got some acting nominations. And I think this was the one that made the Academy go, all right, we got to take Netflix seriously because they're cranking out some bangers here. <laughs> and yeah, you have, like and Martin Scorsese working for Netflix. Like, yeah, that's a huge ne- deal. Netflix is really interesting now because. I mean, there's been a ton of, of big names on there, like um, Jason Bateman going to Ozark. And I, I, that's a TV show, I know. But that oh. was pretty interesting to me that he like, again, he was making he was making like the I don't want to call them cash grabs, but it's just like high floor, low ceiling type of movies, you know, like horrible bosses type stuff, like enjoyable watches, nothing, nothing top tier. Right. Right. But. To, to ditch that for a show on Netflix was pretty interesting. Yeah, and I would say it paid off for him because, I mean, they're going on what? Season four of that? Yeah. So it paid off. Horrible Bosses 2 was the one where it's like, all right, dude, you're just you're just pulling. You're, I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> That's the one where it makes you shake your head. All right, Dylan, give me your 2019 movie Mount Rushmore. This was uh, pretty difficult for me, and I'm not even confident in my final one here. But you said you had one off the off the record here, so give it to me. I'm curious. Yeah, so you know the first three are pretty easy: Parasite, 1917, and, and those two were for the uniqueness, right? I, I have two, I have two things that really grab me with the movie: it's uniqueness, which those two have, and then Ford B. Ferrari. I, I just love the story of that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think reading the book helped too. Uh, shout out to, to Pam IPY for, <laughs> for, uh, for hooking us up with that. Yeah, baby. I, I, I was happy that she forced us into that. Cause it's a great book. It really is. Um, and just, it's a great story. And, and man, Christian Bale talk about a performance in that one. I mean, seriously, one of the best, very, there. very, very good. <laughs> And then off the page, Uh-oh. just mercy. Oh yeah, yeah. Michael B. Jordan? Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Fox. It doesn't get better than that for me. I like it. I like it. You know, we have a member on the network who Michael B. Jordan is his favorite actor. 
Caleb Lynn. You know, that is, man, that's tough. I'd have to sit down and think about favorite actor, but every time I watch him, I mean, those Creed movies are really good. Really good. And, and I don't know if you've done a boxing segment at all, but man, what was the movie that, um, it's on Netflix. Uh, of course I forget the guy's name too. There's a boxing. I'll get back to you on that. The boxing movie. Okay. Uh, there's a really good boxing movie on Netflix too. And like there, there's, I think boxing movies are underrated, right? Really underrated. I personally love boxing movies because the, uh, there's always like a tragic story behind, behind the boxer, right? Always. Yeah. And, and that's, I think like you want to talk about character development and, and getting hooked into a character that is, I think boxing movies and, and you can see it with war movies a little bit, but I just love boxing movies. They are, I mean, we have, I haven't done a, a boxing segment on here. I'd say the closest was our sports movie draft when a lot of boxing movies and combat sports movies got drafted a lot. Uh, I actually ended up with Creed. I was very happy I ended up with Creed, but and one thing Creed did was it absolutely revived a dead franchise. Absolutely revived it. And I think made it better by a lot. And yes, uh, you're totally right. I think boxing, the unsung hero of the sports genre, because you, you think about, I mean, usually the first ones that get brought up are like Hoosiers, um, you know, Moneyball, stuff like that. And rightfully so, but what about like Rocky? What about like Raging Bull? Creed? These are classics. Raging Bull is like, don't let anybody tell you Rocky's better than Raging Bull, Dylan, because it's it's not true. It's not true at all. <laughs> Rocky's a great movie, but Raging Bull, I think, is better. Uh, very interesting. Just Mercy snuck into your Rushmore. Wow. And, you know, I, Bleed for This is the movie I'm thinking of. Miles Teller. Oh, yo, yeah, he plays uh, Roberto Duran, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, great Aaron Eckhart performance as well. Really big fan of Aaron Eckhart. Kind of under the radar, I feel like. You know what? After The Dark Knight, he, I don't know what happened to him. I really don't. Because I thought he was good at The Dark Knight. (laughs) And then he was in like Battle Los Angeles. Remember that movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh god, how far have we fallen? Oh, he was in uh Olympus has fallen. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where we're at with him. But yeah, that is a good one. Bleed for this. Yeah. Miles Teller, I like him. Yeah. And again, very uh I mean, I'm not going to spoil the movie. It's like 5 years old at this point, but gr- great story. I I was hooked onto it. Um, but just mercy, man. Like I, I'm a big fan of like the, the, the Southern, like overcoming racism type of stories. They, they've done a lot, uh, right. like free state, free state of Jones, I think was solid as well. Like that just, I, I really like those kind of movies. Um, cause you just, a slave. yeah, like you get a lot of good looks at, some of the unique stories of, of how they rigged, they really rigged a lot of these people's lives. Like, 
I mean, Jamie Foxx, right? He gets falsely accused of murdering a, a white girl down there. Right. And like, and, and no one's going to doubt it because he's black in the South, you know, in Alabama. And uh, I mean, they had to fart. They had to fight hard. And like, it just kind of shows what it was like back then. I just, I really liked it. I had to read that book uh, my freshman year of college. And it's one of those few books that you have to read for a class. And you're like, you know what? This is actually good. Yeah. Like, this doesn't feel like a chore to read this. And Just Mercy was just that. I, I actually haven't seen that movie. I'll be honest. I haven't seen Just Mercy. But I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> if you made your Mount Rushmore, I mean, damn, I got I to gotta check it out. Mine, a little different. We only have one in common. Mm. Yeah. So the first one's Parasite. Parasite, Parasite's the George Washington of this Mount Rushmore. It's yeah. the first phase. <laughs> uh, I think it's a top five movie of the 2010s. Easy. I think pretty easily. Yeah. I think The Social Network's the best. Mm. And that's weird for me to say because I absolutely hate Jesse Eisenberg. But <laughs> he was phenomenal in that movie. Hey, he's a Pacers awesome. fan, you know? I know he's a Pacers fan. That's why the, that's why it's like, yeah, you know, you're not all bad, but I think you're overrated. <laughs> like real quick, power rank the Pacers fans. We got Mike Epps and Jesse Eisenberg, and I think that's it. <laughs> it's uh, I, I think the order you gave him is exactly right. <laughs> but hey, I haven't seen Mike Epps in a while, man. Was he a Paul George guy? Was that the problem? Was he a Vic guy? Just gave up. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe he's got something against the bonus. I don't know. But I, I just I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't seen it's, him either. It's something that we need to follow up on, I think. <laughs> Running hook investigative report. Where <laughs> where is Mike Epps at Pacers games? So Parasite's my number one. Once upon a time in Hollywood is my number two. Yeah. I just I don't know where you stand on Tarantino, but I love the guy. I think he's original. Speaking of that's a that's a really hot take. I think he's original. <laughs> um, I would say, speaking of the movies, you know, like that take place in the South and overcoming the challenges, Django Unchained. Mm. Little different take, but that's definitely up there for me. It's one of my five favorite movies. And number three, Dylan, Avengers Endgame. Mm. Had to make it for me. Had to make it. Had to make it. It's the biggest movie of our lifetime. <laughs> Literally. I think every every man, woman, and child alive in 2019 saw this. Infants were buying tickets to this movie. <laughs> and then number four is The Irishman. I just love me. Love me some Marty. I know it's a long movie, but <laughs> it's, it's really good. So I can't fault you for having 1917 and the other ones on your list, but 1917 was a hard, a hard uh, omission for me. Really tough. But um, Parasite at the Oscars that year, talked about it a little bit, won the most awards that night, won four Oscars, won Best Picture, Best Director, Bong beat Scorsese and Tarantino for Best Director, and won Best Original Screenplay and Best International Feature Film. Dylan, no acting nominations for this movie. Who would you have nominated? Listen, man, it's Mr. Kim, okay? It is Mr. Kim. What? Talk about 
listen, the, the foreshadowing for him was great. Okay. The, the main one you see it, it is cause listen, okay. This family comes in and they respect Mr. Park, right? They respect him a lot because like, they don't, they don't look at it as like a class warfare type thing. They're almost like very appreciative of him giving them these opportunities. Right. And then you start to see a little bit of angst when he starts driving him around and he's looking back, he's looking off the road a little bit too much. Right. Right. And Mr. Park says something about it. And like the first time you see the movie, you may not, you may not really notice it, but the second time it's like, Oh, okay. There's where maybe the little bit of anger starts building up. And then of course the, the old radish smell, right. 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 Just, just the, the slight, uh, and what, what it really, I mean, where the movie obviously picks up the most is where they go camping and you got the whole family in there drinking and all that. Obviously it starts raining. They come home and, uh, you know, the, the parks are on the couch having a little bit of fun time while, uh, while the sun's out in the tent and, uh, you know, that radish smell starts to, to waft in the room and and he's talking all this shit about Mr. Uh, Kim, and he just got to lay there <laughs> under the table, just with his eyes closed, just sitting there listening to it. And it's like, oh yeah, that's that's almost like where the breaking point was for him. I think the um, most the most with talking about Mr. Kim, one of the most like clear in hindsight um, foreshadowing was was a. Uh, I think even I think Mr. Park even says at one point he smells like a basement. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But go on on Mr. Kim cuz I agree with you. Yeah, and it's he's just like so he does a great job of masking the anger until it's like to the point where he stabs him, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that, that last, like, and this, the murder scene we could talk about for fucking hours, I feel like wild, but, um, that, you know, where, where his daughter just gets stabbed and he's there trying to save her life. And Mr. Park is worried about the songs seizure or whatever's going on and getting the keys. And he's just like, no, we're not fucking doing this shit. <laughs> And all that bottled up anger explodes. And I, I feel like he did such a great job of, of masking all that to the point where, you know, he's mad, but he doesn't really show it. And then right when it matters, that's when it comes out. Yeah. We could talk about that murder scene for hours. Cause there's just so many levels to that. And that's a good point about the key thing, because like he's trying to do so much in one time, like he's trying to, keep the act up but it's also like my daughter is here stabbed bleeding to death and you want me to drive you to the hospital like that's not happening dude it's not happening um <laughs> uh, i i also would have gone mr kim i think the monologue at the end should have sealed the deal for a nomination but you know we could we i mean we could also go in for hours on the acting nominations this year cuz it was really really loaded do you think he would have been supporting or lead 
<clears throat> this movie's weird in that there isn't it's, no, like... it's tough there's like there's like a lot of ball movement so to speak yeah. you know <laughs> there, there's not a there's not a, like an alpha dog type of thing it's it's like a lot of uh i mean the sun plays a huge role too i think in orchestrating a lot of this right huge role and i would say earlier in the movie he he shined more um but yeah it's Man, it's tough. I think supporting role would maybe make the most sense because again, they just bounce off each other so much. Yeah. But I, I could see it either way. I guess you'd have to go supporting, but the supporting this year was loaded. It was Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Brad Pitt, Joe Pesci, and uh Al Pacino. <laughs> I, I would have kicked out Tom Hanks, to be honest, because that movie's not great. And he, he is the best part of it. I'll give him that. And that's probably why he was nominated. And just because it's Tom Hanks. But I would insert Song Kang Ho instead of Tom Hanks because it's just he, in some ways, he carried this movie, Dylan. He really did. Especially near the end. I mean, basically, the whole murder scene from an emotional standpoint, he carried it. Um, so the plot synopsis. You want to take the plot synopsis since it's your favorite? Yes. So I'll go ahead and read what you wrote and just build off it. So green class discrimination threat in the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. Is this a Zach Griffith original writing or is this it copy is. and paste? <laughs> I mean, is, come on. It is not. It is copy okay. and pasted from IMDb. <laughs> I was going to say this. This is a multifaceted man I'm dealing with here. If you're able to... <laughs> To layer out a sentence like that. No, 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 no. So yeah, like, I mean, let's let's just uh, let's just start from the beginning, right? You know, like you got a you got a poor family living in a in a semi basement, just really like the the just it's almost like you got a dude pissing in front of your house, you know? Yeah, like the way (laughs) the way I view this city is like the parks live at the top and the kids live at the bottom. Right. Like this literally it's yeah. Like they, the semi basements, like that's as low as you can get. And, and there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of grit, right. There's some, some pizza box folding and, and a lot of odd job type of deals. And uh, what's interesting is like, they're, they're all very skilled and that's not something they usually think about with poor people. I would say is that the, the skills usually translate to, you know, higher paying jobs, but they, they are, they're all pretty smart. They know what they're doing, but they just haven't escaped it. They slowly start working their way into this family. They yep. get the, the, the tutor job and then art therapists. And then you get the, the driver fired and then the housemaid the fired. Housekeeper, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh you know work in there and uh everything's good for a while and then uh and there's a dude in the basement comes, housekeeper comes back <laughs> and, and hey you want to talk about foreshadowing the cctv cut the cable cut saves mr kim from being captured oh yeah yeah i knew and i didn't even like what it took me until the third time watching to realize she said she cut the CCTV cable so that that they wouldn't see she got there. Right. The old housekeeper. And uh, you just kind of like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's probably the end of that. Right. 
Yeah. And then at the very end, Mr. Kim escapes. No CCTV uh, footage of where he ends up. They said he disappeared into thin air. What a break. But, man, he sneaks right into that garage, heads down to the, the hidden basement. Protection from North Korea and debt collectors. <laughs> Great spot for that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the... I think that's right there when, when the housekeeper comes back, that's when the movie gets started. I think, right. They're all, they're all embedded in the family and everything seems great. You never fucking expect that basement to come into play. No, never expect it. As soon as she's down there screaming, trying to get that light, whatever the the thing holding the plum extract open (laughs) that that's where it starts right there. You know, the, uh, her husband's down there. Take a and, major uh, turn. Yes. I like I and talk about uniqueness. That how could you ever think about that, right? But as soon as they explain it, it all makes sense. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much is because I, I like having loose ends tied up in a movie, right? Yeah. And even something kind of extreme like that, they do a great job of tying it up. But um, you know. They uh, and then when the family comes back, right, you got to hide all this shit all of a sudden. You got to hide the people. And look, okay, cinematography, cinematography. Let's talk about this. Yes, you're big in the big in the kitchen. In the kitchen, you got that nice little uh, not really a bookshelf, like it's holding up plates or something. The the little orange feature they have there, and then you got that, yeah. And then you've got the dark door in the middle that leads down to the basement, right? Right. And this is, of course, where the the basement living husband eventually arises <laughs> out of. Um, I mean, talk about a, a, a funny moment. I, I don't think I've ever laughed so much at, like, murder, but, or, you know, <laughs> any sort of injuring. But when... Uh, when the I think I know where you're going. When uh Chin Chung Sook, that's her name. Chung Sook cook kicks down the old house uh, <laughs> housekeeper down the stairs, just effortlessly kicks her. Instant no no concussion. Concerns. Instant instant concussion. <laughs> so you gotta throw her down there in the basement with the husband, tie him up. And then, uh, of course, before she eventually, you know, dies or whatever happens to her, she she's got to she's got to let her husband know Chung Sook. This is who you got to go after. Right. This, this is this is the woman. <laughs> and uh, of course, he eventually escapes. And by the way, Ki Woo surviving two blows to the head. That is MVP stuff. I mean, you don't see that every what? day. That talk about a skull of steel with his own rock, his own rock. <laughs> and, and these are not light blows. These are you've got pints of blood pouring out of you type of blows. Pints. And uh, of course, no, no concern from the basement dweller. He's he's done. Right. He's over it. <laughs> he's he's got blood all over his face. He arises to the beautiful kitchen. Grab, grabs the nicest knife he could find. And uh, everyone's having a great time at this party. Just a beautiful day. Good good friends, right? 
and then basement dweller comes out swinging chung sook heads for her and uh and, and that's where the fun begins right there the fun begins and ends for some people in the, yes. in the yard <laughs> that's because you earlier you were talking about the like the class commentary and how you know these unfortunate uh narratives around poor people that they're poor because either they're lazy or they don't have any skills. And this movie is just like, actually, it's not the case with the Kims because they're not lazy. They're acting out these cons. <laughs> they're like method acting, ready for this. And they have skills, as we see when they actually get the job. Like, Kevin, yeah, there's a little uh, student-teacher flirtation going on, but Seems like he's a good tutor. Uh, Jessica, quote unquote, Jessica, good with kids. And Mr. Kim, hell of a driver. Like they, they have, and they're all good with people, I would say. So yeah, they have plenty of skills. So this movie does a good job of like debunking those narratives. And look, I'm not going to try and pronounce. I usually do this. I usually do this. You see this? You see this here, Dylan. I, I usually try and give everybody involved with making this movie credit. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try. It's just. It's just. No, 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 no disrespect to anyone, obviously, but I don't want to butcher anyone's name and offend people. So it's just, I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave it as it is. But uh, this movie made. We talked about it earlier. Fifteen and a half million budget. 258 million box office for a foreign film. Absolutely unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. And I was texting you about this yesterday. 8.6 out of 10 IMDb. I felt that was low. I felt that was low. You know, I'll just say this. The, uh, the whole rating system, I'm out in general. Like, there's movies I love that Rotten Tomatoes just shits all over. Right. Rotten you know Tomatoes I mean? is the worst. They're the worst. It's, it's my problem with movie critics is everyone judges it on how they want it to be. Right. But movies are like food. It's, it's subjective. Right. Right. Everyone has their tastes. Everyone likes different things. And see, I'm someone that's, that puts a little bit more weight into the small things like the foreshadowing, the cinematography. Right a lot of people are very plot focused and I get that. Like the plot is the story. Right. But for me, the small things always add extra weight. And sometimes I love a movie just because of those small things like the Revenant. Again, a huge part of it's the cinematography. And a lot of people, a lot of people find that stuff boring. Right. And again, no, no criticism either way. Everyone has their own tastes. But the rating systems in general, and I think IMDb is probably the best, but I'm still out either way. I'm with you. I'm totally out on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, the, the fact that Toy Story 4 has like a 99% is absolutely insane. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I think Parasite actually does have 100% if you want to put any oh. stock into that. <laughs> I know we just shit on Rotten Tomatoes, but they do they do have 100% for for a parasite but i do think imdb is the best just because it's a mix of users and critics so i think the viewpoints kind of even out but i don't know 
8.6. I mean, 8.6 is fucking high. That is really yeah. high rating, but um, I don't know. I would have given it a nine. That's what I would have. That's what I would have given it on IMDb. And then Roger Ebert, four out of four. Now Roger Ebert didn't review this himself because he's dead, but on his site, Brian Tallerico gave it a four out of four, who I think is trying to take the mantle from Raj and doing a pretty good job of it. So Ebert loved it. IMDb loved it. Everybody loved it. I'd never heard anyone complain about this movie and say it was overrated or it sucked or anything like that. So moving into the best scenes, Dylan, do you want to take this? Oh, yes. So I'll just say you have a, the early stuff listed. And for me, the, the notable scenes come once the Kims take over the house. Yeah. As I, as I said earlier, I think that's where the movie starts. And everything happens really quickly from there. Like they're all having their fun at the house drinking. And then the old housekeeper comes back and throws everything into a tizzy. <laughs> you know, they, they got to hide. And uh, this is of course where they discover the, the hidden basement. And, and listen, you, uh, we have a, a segment coming up on this, but listen, the Kim's making their way down that basement on the stairs and, and falling down. I mean, what a disaster. <laughs> Regular listeners of this show will know what segment you're talking about. <laughs> just, just an absolute fumble. I mean, seriously, they, fumble they had the goal line. Fumble, fumble at the goal, goal line. This, this was a dis- <laughs> A Deshaun Jackson level performance right there from the Oh wow. Wow. <laughs> is this uh is this a three off the backboard? It's 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 blowing a layup. I mean it's oh. it's blowing a layup when you got a wide open and no pressure. And it just, it's a little, you put a little bit too much mustard on it is really what it is. Blowing a 3-1 lead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a disaster. And like, if you take that out of it, that they, they're good, right? Because then, of course, you got the video camera out. You got the phones and the nuclear uh, launch code, as the basement dweller calls it. Yeah. Uh, with the video to the parks. And, uh, of course, you know, they bring them upstairs. They make them uh, hold their hands in the air. <laughs> and uh, and it's just, listen, for me, best scene, I, again, I think the whole, like, last 30 minutes is just a masterpiece. I think that's where the movie is made right there. Yeah. But the basement dweller coming up with blood all over his face, just ready to slay. Again, this it's a moment you can laugh at, even though it's a murder scene. It's yeah. it's just incredibly well done. That, that's a great candidate. And you know what? I'm going to go one step after that. I'm going to go Mr. Kim monologue. Because it's a mix. It's a mix of things. It's great acting. It's also like great editing, showing you how the family is like trying to move on. And also, where the fuck is Mr. Kim? Where is he? And then the reveal of where he is is awesome. It's awesome because it's it's a full circle thing. Uh, like it's and it's ironic because he's trying to move out of a basement, 
and then he just ends up stuck in a basement. Now he gets out. He gets out eventually. Or what do you make of that? Do you, do you think he got out, or was that was that just in the son's imagination? Yeah, I think it's probably imagination. Yeah. Um. I I mean, hell, you could you could make a whole nother movie on that part. You could the the escape, but please don't, because it's probably going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> don't please don't. But. And, and ta- again, talking about full circle, the uh, the whole Morse code with the lights, yeah, was something we didn't talk about yet. With with the uh, original basement dweller using Morse code to send uh, messages to Mister Park, and you know I didn't catch this until the third time either, but you see the lights flicker, but way before we know about this guy, right? Way before. So it's again, it's something you have to watch two or three times to catch that he's he's sending these signals the whole time and of course we don't learn until he's down bashing his head against the lights <laughs> what exactly is going on there um and then he uses this to communicate with his son just complete complete faith based right he has no idea whether his son's there or not right but he's sending this letter out every night just in case but i i would say it's probably imagination um I and it's too. it's I kind of like it that way because it still shows that like they, despite all of that, like they're still struggling. Right. It it wasn't even, it wasn't worth it. All that wasn't worth it. Hell no. Hell no. It wasn't worth it. One of them died. (laughs) One of them stuck. (laughs) Uh, But you're right about the ending. Like it doesn't end well by any means, but it doesn't end like totally hopeless. And I think the, yeah. The imagination thing helps out with that a lot. Uh so yeah, I'm going Mr. Kim monologue. You're going whole last half hour, which I think I can't I can't fault you with that. Some other some other no I'm not gonna go through all these, but some honorable mentions, I would just say the old housekeeper showing up, which might fall into your thirty minute thing, but I just thought that was totally with you. That was the absolute turning point of this movie um that's really i think that's really the only one i would throw out some questions we have do you think the kims have tried to pull a stunt like this before dylan you know i want to say no but the acting involved i mean literal scripts are being written for this family actual acting practices right it's uh I mean, typically you don't have rehearsals unless you've been there before. That's just kind of how I'm looking at it. <laughs> this, this might not be the first rodeo. And then the next one, the next question here, I, I even texted you about this because it was so outrageous. Kevin and the mom get off on probation. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell doing? Okay, here here's the thing. At first, I'm like, yes, like the South Korean judicial system, throw it all away. That's the first reaction. <laughs> but when you think about it, the Mr. Kim was the only one that murdered, right, in the family. So wh- what exactly is the crime of the other two? I mean, de- deception, obviously, is a problem. Yeah. But w- was it a crime? I don't know. Well, you're making a fair point. 
definitely Mr. Kim. I don't know how that's going to work when and if he gets out of the basement. Like you're not a free you're not a free man. <laughs> no. You killed somebody. Uh yeah, that's a fair that's a fair point. What other crimes could you pin them on? Identity theft? Maybe? It'd be a stretch. It, it's um I don't know if they were necessarily real identities they were tying to, you know. It's kind of like, "Hey, my cousin's friend in Illinois, Jessica or whatever." <laughs> it, it's uh, not a lot of background checks here from uh, the Parks, which and that, that was another factor was uh, Mrs. Parks' um, ignorance really to a lot of things. She was her uh, her kind of being ditzy a little bit was uh, allowed a lot of this to happen. Oh, she's she's coming up later in one of our other segments. Some comedy, Dylan. Looking for the Wi-Fi at the beginning. <laughs> I think we're, I think we've all been there at one point or another. Fumigation, the fumigation. <laughs> Mister Kim's just like let it happen. We need to. We got bugs in here. Just let it happen. And and see, that's that's why. That's again. That's a small moment where this movie shines. Is that right off the bat, you see how poor they are. Right. They have to live off other people's Wi-Fi. And they are willingly subjecting themselves to poison, basically, for the free for the free fumigation. I mean, it, it's hard to do it better than that. <laughs> uh, the driver Yoon framed by Jessica, absolutely framed. <laughs> Poor dude, he seemed like a good driver. You know, I, I think. Uh, I think the kids would say these days that this, this is what simping gets you, right? As <laughs> a as a man in the modern age, man, sometimes sometimes women will take advantage of the uh, the interest, and that this is a clear example of that. He was simping really hard, really hard. No, I can take you. I'm taking you to your house. <laughs> you don't have to. It's raining, you know. Take you past the station. Um, and then the last one, the parks just get down and dirty on the couch with the Kims under the table. I'm going with that. (laughs) Yeah. Again, that's, and they just have to sit there and listen. Right. (laughs) And, and Mr. Park, Mr. Park or Mr. Kim has to feel so like offended because he has to listen to the radish talk. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden, right after, you know, you've got a you got a little show and maybe maybe he was interested in the show. Who knows? We don't know. But uh, if he wasn't, then just a tough night for him. And and you know something? Another thing we haven't talked about is right after that whole thing, when they escape, they go home to a fucking flooded basement. Oh, oh, they're they're coming. That's coming. Don't sleep on that. That's coming. (laughs) What a oh man, that sucks. That sucks. You have to hear a guy talk shit about you, then bang his wife, and then you go home to a flooded house. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. What's your funniest moment? What are you going with? I'm sorry. I just think the murder scene's hilarious. <laughs> he he just he has no regard. Like he doesn't care. He has a bloodied face. He just absolutely slaughters Kevin. No, no, no issue whatsoever. 
No. Just he, he even gives him the extra blow to the head just in case. He's clearly well he was So he, you know, comes out of this basement, takes Kevin out. No, no, no regard for human life in this situation. He's like, fuck the debt collectors. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm slaying, man. I don't care. It, it's been too much. And it, it's kind of funny how the, the switch flips too, because he was happy down there. Right. But as soon as his wife gets taken out, that's when the, uh, the anger comes out and, uh, I mean, just a beautiful house, a beautiful party, and he's coming out to slay. And I, I've never, I've never laughed at murder. I, I'm not someone that enjoys watching murder, <laughs> but just the circumstances where it's just so lati da, yeah. and he's just coming out there to cause havoc. It's just, it's just funny. <laughs> you tell me, you're not a big Bundy guy. You're not a big Bundy fan. <laughs> Um, that it's, it's absolutely wild scene. And let's be honest, probably the best. It's probably the best scene. I know we picked some different ones, but it's probably the best. Um, and one of the most, one of the more famous segments here on circle city cinema, the block in the back award for the most brainless decision. It's gotta be the Kim's blundering their cover. You're nodding your head to agreement. <laughs> Listen, this is how easy it would be for them to get away with this, okay? The 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 current housekeeper and the old one, they agree. I'll give your husband, you know, some food every week, right? Just set at the top of that stairs and we're good. Everything's fine. She would have no idea that they're all a family. She would probably end up leaving that night and it'd be great. Yeah. And uh and all of a sudden, man, the the curiosity, the curious ears just gets the best of the Kims. <laughs> and they, they make a little slip up. And all of a sudden, that's when the camera whips out. And that's where the fun begins. A literal slip up. They've slipped down the stairs. <laughs> not Just not a great look. Who got it the worst, Dylan? This can either be a death, an injury, or just getting fucked over in general. So here we go. Here's some of the ones uh, that I said were going to come up later. Here they are. The driver, Yoon, gets screwed out of a job. Just gets screwed out of a job. The housekeeper gets screwed out of a job. North Korea, just in general, North Korea takes a ton of L's. <laughs> uh, the Kims come home to a flooded house. Jessica gets killed. And... The husband we were talking about who lived in a basement for four years. He got it pretty bad. Who are you going with here? Who got it the worst? Well, I'll just say the husband in the basement, I think he had it great. He escaped, <laughs> he escaped all his problems. What a take. All, all the, de- the debt collectors that were chasing him and, and all the issues that uh, – and by the way, something I caught – Apparently, uh, Mr. Kim worked for this. Was this the guy that owned the cake shop they mentioned earlier in the show? I think the movie? so. I think so. That that was something, again, it took me three times to catch. Uh, just, a, again, a very slight little cherry on top type of uh, type right. of line there. Wow, what a take. He didn't have it that bad. I guess not. He got 
food brought down to him. You know, he didn't have to do anything for his own food. He just got meals brought to him. Yeah, and you know, like he he missed the sunlight. That's that's a tough one, right? <laughs> the, the vitamin D uh, deficiency is something that's tough to overcome. I'll I'll give him that. But he had a bookshelf. He probably uh, he had a good chance to get in shape. You know, do some push ups and uh, that type of ordeal. He had he had running water, right? He did. There, there's people that got it much worse than that. He had a toilet. He had it all. Toilet. Exactly. Well. Moving on to actually, you know what? I didn't give mine. Who am I going to go with? I, I'll say I because I didn't give mine either. But I'll, Jessica, Jessica did not really deserve to be killed, right? No, she was she was involved. Yes, yes. But Chung Sook, she was the one that uh, that was the target, right? Yeah. So that and she never got taken out. So I, I say Jessica was the the biggest loser. I'm going to go Chung Sook because loses her daughter, basically mm. loses her husband. And her son gets him back, but he was in a coma for who knows how long. So I'm going to go Chung Sook. Big loser. Uh, slip in the DMs. Here, I've got to explain this to you because you don't, you don't know what it is. <laughs> a cast or crew member who caught your eye, caught your interest, and you want to slip in their DMs to learn more about them. Hmm. You know, listen, Mrs. Park looks wise nice, right? <laughs> but a little bit too much of a pushover. Big pushover. Not, not my style. Jessica, listen, Jessica, unfortunately, do not have the opportunity to slip in the DMs at this moment. <laughs> Maybe in a in another life. Maybe later. But listen, man, graphic design stud, able to uh, you know a little bit of art therapy could maybe use utilize some of that. Um, <laughs> and uh, see see if I have a schizophrenia zone is something I've been wondering about. Um, oh yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah. So you know that's that's always good to have around some art therapy. Um, just seems like someone that could kind of let loose. We see in the, in the drinking uh, scene, she's, she's pretty, she's pretty, uh, inebriated. She's getting down. Yeah. So <laughs> a, a smart, a smart girl that can have some fun. You know, that's, that's a good, uh, a really good start. I am going with Mrs. Park. If, and for one reason only, I want to ask her what her background check strategy is. Because oh, it, it yes. failed. It totally failed. Totally failed. She, she's trusting way too much. Way, way too, too much. much trust. Way too much. You got to bring that trust back. Uh, and our final, uh, or, or, sorry, second to final segment, the big winner. Who is the big winner of this movie for you, Dylan? Listen, okay. Kevin just survived. Could you survive more than that? I would love to know. <laughs> Again, takes blows to the head, coma, gets off with probation. A slab of rock just pounded against. Th- this head. was not a small rock. No. Okay. This this is a rock, and they even they throw it into the river at the end. Like th- this is a rock river, right? This is a big, this is a big rock, right? And th- this is supposed to be a rock that brings good luck. It does not. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but. 
it uh listen i mean taking taking those blows to the head and just being able to take that and uh and move on i mean that's that's quite and, and you know what now he has a he has a life mission right he's got a mission to uh save his dad i mean i think uh you know i'm not going to say that he had it easy or that it was a fun time but he's he's kind of set for life now with this mission man like he's he's got something to work towards He's got something to work towards. Uh, I'm going with Bong. Bong Joon-ho won this movie because, listen, people knew who Bong Joon-ho was, right? The Academy knew who he was. Never got the love. Never got the love. He was like a critically acclaimed guy who's like, yeah, but you haven't got over the top yet. And this one just put him on the map, especially with American audiences, just totally put him on the map. And I think... One of the 15 best directors working right now, Bong Joon-ho. I'd make that case. The fun facts, Dylan. I only found four that were worth putting on here. The Park's house. Pretty nice house, by the way. Really nice. Built from scratch just for the movie. Love it. That I would love to know the, uh, the construction timeline of that. I mean, what a great, like, first of all, Having a, a, your entire back wall be a window, I mean, that's 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 rich shit right there, you know? That is rich shit. <laughs> uh, this is Bong's third film about the class system. He did one, did two previous ones, Okja and Snowpiercer. Those are both on Netflix. I think I said that earlier, but Okja's weird. It is a weird movie. It's a good movie, but it's weird because it's about like this huge experimented on pig <laughs> but a great cast like dick gyllenhaal's in it uh it's great it's a great movie bong's first all korean production since 2009 which was a movie called mother so it really paid off though it was worth the wait i would say and then the fourth collaboration between bong and song kang ho who played mr kim quite the partnership Anything else you want to hit on before we uh, do some plugs? You know, there there's one line I had to uh, I had to write down the line because it was it was great. I think you know the divine rhyme were a, were a life lessons type of deal. That's right. And you know something you figure out along the way is that uh, having a plan isn't necessarily the greatest idea, right? It, it's gonna you're gonna have to deviate and when they come home to the, uh, the flooded semi basement, they got to go to that basketball gym, right. With all those other people sleeping there. Yep. And, uh, Kevin asks his dad, man, what's the plan? Like we just, we basically just killed someone and left them in the basement. Like what the fuck do we do? Right. What's the plan? Mr. Kim responds, what kind of plan never fails? No plan at all. I mean, what a fucking line, man. And it's, I think it's a perfect way to encapsulate the whole movie because listen, they had a plan and it worked for a bit, but it got a little bit crazy at some point. <laughs> that, that was a beautiful scene. I should have thrown that into to the best scene. That's another case for Song Kang Ho being nominated for an acting category, that scene, but yes, didn't happen. Uh, shameless plugs. We got to do it. What's coming up on power hour. Who you got this week? Um, let's see. I think we've got Raptors, Heat, and uh, Toronto. 
Or did I already say Raptors? Yeah. Well, some other team. It's it's our last uh, last regular season run. Obviously, the playoffs coming up, and I think me and Alex are gonna we're gonna do two pods for a couple of weeks to uh, get some awards out. Nice. You know, all defense, all rookie type stuff. So, listen, man, the the basketball grind never stops. There's uh, never. this 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 is the time, right? This is where. For some teams like the Pacers, the, the season's coming to an end. But yeah. for some other teams, it's just getting started. So it's it's going to be a fun couple of months here. Have you guys done the Suns yet? Yeah, we did the Suns a while back. Okay. Because uh, the reason I asked, I'm going to Vegas, Dylan, this week. That's where my Vegas. brother is. Really? Yes. What for? Uh, he's in the Air Force, so that's where he's stationed at right now. What a place to be stationed. I know. We're, <laughs> we're, we're taking a trip there, uh, I think, September, so that'll be uh, quite a fun time. <laughs> I'm going to Vegas with my uncle Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm placing a bet on the Phoenix Suns to win the title. Wow. Because their odds are really good, and I think the West is so wide open, there's a good chance of it. Listen, the Lakers' health situation, like, that is the domino, right? If if LeBron's either done or he's just, like, 70%, it really is tough because there's a lot of problems with every other team. Right. And I think through and through, the Suns are really solid. It's just, like, that top-end, you know, superstar is what they're missing. But if all the other superstars are injured or they just have a bunch of holes on the roster – that's where a team like the Suns could sneak in there. So I, I like I like the bet. And I'm sure it's a great value, too. It is a really great value. And did you expect the Suns? Like, I think we thought when they got Chris Paul, they're like, okay, they're going to be better this year. Do you think they – did you think they'd be fighting for the one seed in the West? No. And, you know, last week on the Power Hour, Alex was shitting on the, the Chris Paul MVP <laughs> discussion. And listen – I'm not going to vote for Chris Paul, but to go from an, a fringe playoff team to arguably the best team in the conference, that – and it's – listen, they, they got Jay Crowder, you know, but Chris Paul has lifted everyone else on that roster. Right. And, yes, Devin Booker is the best player on the roster, but Chris Paul has set him up the entire season, making his job easier. And, I mean, I – again – Chris Paul's not going to win MVP. He shouldn't, but I can see the case because I can see it too. It's, I mean, making that kind of jump is pretty unheard of. I can see the case. I mean, you can trace all their success this season back to that trade. Yep. So Alex needs to shove it on that take. He needs to shove it. Uh, what's, what about divine Ryan? What do we got? We've got uh more schoolboy Q. Ah. And uh, this was, this was something that, you know, Will was a little bit uh, hesitant on. He, he didn't really know much about Schoolboy Q, and he's all in. I, I'm I'm excited about. We've got Oxymoron and Blank Face coming up, probably recording Monday or Tuesday. Um, so it'll be uh, another good week for us. And then give us give us your book. Plug the book. Plug the book all you want. Yes, from one young soul to another. And listen, I'll just say after all the plugging. I'm looking forward to the next book having a shorter title. Okay. <laughs> having to 
having to there's a lot of tongue action involved it's a little bit too much when you say it but uh long title short book right so it's a quick little read just uh listen everyone has struggles in some way i think uh a lot of people our age can probably relate to most of the stuff i talked about so just uh tried to give a little bit of a, a blueprint or like kind of a push in the right direction of how to over, overcome a lot of young adulthood type of issues. So that's on Amazon seven bucks for the paperback and five for the ebook. You know, it's, I'm not, I'm not making a, a living off this thing, right? It's a, it's a very cheap little thing. And at the same time, I think it can bring a lot of value to people. Good bang for your buck on from one young soul to another folks. Um, let's see here. We've got Lynn Sanity also tackling, just tackling NBA. I think this week, or yeah, I think this week, I think Caleb has something planned while Bryce is on vacation. Um, oh, oh, here they're doing NBA headlines and current playing teams tomorrow. So there you go. They did a top Lynn Sanity crossover on the NFL draft, uh, last week. So check that out. I believe that's out. Then we got the battleground. Um, Alex filled in for JD last week, and Caleb broke into the Zoom and invaded the battleground. So that was nice. <laughs> Talked about the NBA and the NFL, uh, NFL draft in particular. So check that out. Top has released their mock draft. Uh, oh wait, that's old. Never mind. Forget that, folks. Forget that. That's that came out like two weeks ago. Never mind. Uh, Circle City Cinema. I've got Road to Fast Nine, Fast Five, with maybe Devin and JD this week. We're gonna work on that schedule. Um, and then Boys in the Hood 30th Anniversary with JD and his brother Jamal. So those will be coming. Check that out. Also check out Facts and Stats with JD Hall. Not a running hook property, but still a great show. Uh, Dylan, thank you for coming on here. It was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure talking Parasite. Thank you for having me. And uh, listen, if you ever come around to the boxing, just just know who to call, okay? I'll, I'll have takes for you. You'll, you'll be given a call. There's no doubt about it. And as always, folks, thank you very much.